Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me for the Texans postgame show is Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. Between the two of us, 40 years combined in sports journalism, 35 years in the Houston sports market. So you guys are in good hands. And Sean, this was the definition of ugly from both teams. 21 combined penalties, 194 yards between the two teams. The Texans, eight for 94 all by themselves. Yeah, and, you know, to be honest with you, I think uh, we all kind of understood uh, what kind of game it was going to have to be if the Texans were going to go into Denver today and, and and come away with a win. They were going to have to muck the game up a little bit. It was going to have to be a little ugly. Um, that's that's just kind of the way that, uh, um, you know, this, this team has been playing. And until this offense really finds a groove and gets clicking, you know, they did some good things today. The defense uh, really had, I thought, had a monster game. Um, all things considered, it would have been nice to uh, eliminate a lot of the penalties on both sides of the ball. But that's the kind of game that I fully expected if the Texans were going to win today. Um, unfortunately, you know, they fall short and you see just how far away um, really that this team is not just offensively, but just team wide is from really competing against some better teams in the NFL. And the Denver Broncos, quite similarly to the Indianapolis Colts last week, really gifted the Texans a lot of opportunities, whether it be penalties themselves, which I think they had 13 of today, turnovers, uh, field position, um, giving up some big plays, and the Texans just could not do enough. And look, at the end of the day, what you have to realize is that good teams win games like this, and the Texans just aren't there yet. Yeah, I I don't think it's as simple as the Texans aren't good enough to stay with teams because the Broncos and the Colts are supposed to be good teams. Now, maybe they're not. The Colts got crushed by the Jags, so maybe that is is not what we thought it was. But we can get into some of the little things that I think I'm looking at. And before we do that, we need you to subscribe, like, comment on YouTube. That's how you can support the show. Make sure to look for our midweek show with the latest Texans and other Houston sports stories. I I do other shows along the way, but me and Sean are going to do one every midweek so uh yeah check that out Let, let's get into this one though we we like to take you possession by possession and Sean Texas get the ball first two new starting offensive linemen Kenyon Green Scott Quesenberry but Damian Pierce gets stuffed on third and two Broncos stopped at midfield after their first possession Texans next possession Pierce hit in the backfield third and one I'm not sure Sean I liked either short yardage call I don't mind the running calls, but the third and two relied on zone blocking and a lot of O-line movement, which I don't like from a group with little to no chemistry. And on the second field run, it was a bunch of, you know, it was a kind of a bunch I formation that looked really telegraphed. I mean, spread the field out, make them think something else is coming, at, at least if you're the Texans, because you're not good enough at this point to do that. It's the same mistake they made last weekend in uh, overtime on the uh, third and short play to set up fourth down. Um, in which the Texans punted and settled for the tie. They stacked the box. Um, they had Rex Burkhead in at that point in time last week against the Colts, but they completely telegraphed a run. Um, I, I think if you think different, then I just don't think you had a pulse in the game and you really understand football, but I know a lot of people do. They're smart, and everybody knew a run was coming last week. Everybody knew what was coming um, in that particular situation today, and it's something that Pep Hamilton's just going to have to to tweak. 
I really do think that as much as the coaches talk about, you know, players needing to improve and just little things here and there, and Lovey Smith made it a point today, I, I'd be interested to go back and see how many snaps Damian Pierce played today. I know he played in like what 29% of the snaps, I think, offensively for the Texans last week. And I might even that might even be favorable. He went on the field very much. Um, but surpassed his carry load in the third quarter this week from what he had last week against the Colts. So, I mean, that is encouraging. But he went in on first down on the Texans' final possession, and you want your best players in that situation. I know I'm going a little overboard here, but I I just think the Texans are really going to have to do a good job this week of really self-scouting themselves and understand that they've got to do a better job of personneling, scheming, And it's just the little things because as much as Pep Hamilton, you know, comes blazing out of the gate, you know, on their first offensive possession, they've got to hold on to a little bit of that creativity. They've got to hold on to that little bit of just mystery to them and make the defense think later in games. They've got to finish too. That's what they talked about all week long. We want our players to finish. Well, the coaching staff has to finish too. Yeah. Pep and Davis did not have, I I think I was another poor game and I will get to some of the different things that I've got issue with, but Broncos with the ball, Derek Stingley's pass interference sets up the Broncos inside the five, seven Texans first half penalties for 89 yards. So most of the penalties were in the first half. They, they got rid of them for the most part in the second half, but the Texans with their third defensive stand inside the five in two weeks, definitely not typical during the Bill O'Brien years. Uh, yeah, definitely not, man. You know, I mean, I'd argue that uh, he didn't have just some of the raw talent, too, that this Texans defense has, especially in the secondary. You know, I know Derek Stingley made some mistakes last week, and he pl- he made, you know, plenty more of them um, in the game against the Broncos. But, I mean, my goodness, um, you know, he got that pass interference call. I think that was on, uh, oh, gosh, was that Jerry Jute? No, that was Sutton. That was Sutton that Stingley was covering, who he was pretty much on all day today. But what an incredibly athletic move to catch that touchdown or would have been touched down by, uh, by Sutton. I, I thought it was a really good goal line stand, defensive stand by the Texans. I thought they had a lot of them today. I think you can draw quite similarly to last week's tie against the Colts. A lot of positives from the overall performance. In particular, you know, Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, um, those two are all eyes are going to be on them. I even thought Jonathan Owens did some really good things today to try and help bail Stingley out, who had a big time blown coverage later in this game. Um, the inability to to execute, you know, on on some big passing downs is where what I really thought um, cost the Texans today because they put Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos with their backs up against the wall. They were faced some, with some really tough third downs, and I thought the Texans you know, soft in coverage today, you know, kind of bailed them out a little bit and also some blown coverages. So Texans next drive, a couple nice runs by Pierce leads to a game tying field goal. Sean Mills throws incomplete on third and five, but he had to unload quickly. And if you didn't look carefully, you didn't see that Kenyon Green got beat on a spin move. And this was his first start uh, from what I saw. And, and I wasn't watching him every play. He was hit and miss, but mostly he was hit. It's just, it's going to be the passing. I mean, we're going to talk about this till we're blue in the face. I don't think it's going to be a problem on run plays, but the passing, his feet, you know, going left and right, sometimes he's got to be, get better at that. But, you know, he, he fought, he fought the whole game. I'll give him that. 
He did. And, you know, look, that's something that he'll be the first to tell you that he needs to continue to improve on. Uh, he said he had a really good last three or four weeks. I asked him that question um, this week, in fact, about his pass blocking, something that he's said numerous times he wants to improve upon. I think it'll come. Um, I don't really look footwork's a little bit different because you bring up a really good point there. I think he moves really, really well laterally when he's run blocking, but it's taking that pressure and being able to move that way. And that's also done with hand placement. And that's something that he's really made a point to get better at. And that's just going to be a work in progress for such a young player who, look, the way that his body is right now, Robert, it's not going to be that way this time next year. The way that his footwork is, the way that his hand placement is, this is a kid that, I mean, if you, you'd be hard pressed, I think, to find a young in particular, a rookie left guard or right guard, anybody on the offensive line with a better group to have mentor, and especially playing alongside Laramie Tunsil um, than Kenyon Green. This kid is a lucky man. I mean, he's going to have it really good for the next couple of years, and I think he will improve leaps and bounds, even this year. Broncos' next possession, big play. New Texan, Rasheem Green, gets what I'd call a coverage sack. So Texans get the ball back. Really good drive until a Tunsil holding call stops it. We talked about the penalties, but Texans go up six to three. The first two weeks, Davis Mills really doesn't look in rhythm until the second quarter. So the next Texans defensive possession, a couple of great plays by Stingley and Desmond King in coverage forces a quick punt Then a bad offensive sequence for the Texans O-line. Titus Howard, you know, we're going to talk about him later in the game. He jumps on a third and five, followed by A.J. Kent whiffing on his assignment which was really bad, and Can recovers uh, the strip sack. So the Texans luck out there. That leads to a Bronco drive before the half. Stingley gets burned on a big play, but the Texans defense in the five, inside the five comes up big again, so it's 6-6 at halftime. But, Sean, Levy didn't call a timeout with 53 seconds left on third down, which could have given the Texans time to drive free or field goal. I was very happy with Levy the first week. He looked great. I was like, oh, my God, this is not Bill O'Brien. But... Right there, I thought not a bad idea to let your defense catch its breath on a mile high and, you know, give your team a chance at the end of the half. Why not? It was third down, and, it, and it, either they make it or they don't, and, and you're going to get the ball back. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I thought I thought something similar at the time. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what Lovey, if he's asked about that uh, after this game, and if he's not, I'll definitely make it a point to uh, ask him um, on Monday because I could see the other side of it, too. You know, you're a coach, you're on the field, you get a certain pulse of the game. He also might have been thinking in that instance, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of let this thing play out. I like the way our defense is playing right now. Let's put the pressure on Denver here. You know, let's make them, um, you know, beat us. Let's let's let them feel a little bit of the pressure, too. And so I think Lovey's got a really good pulse when it comes to things like that. Look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, there were a number of other questionable um, you know, calls or no calls today that I thought um, kind of stood out, um, uh, you know, relative to just that one today for Lovey and the Texans defense and really team-wide. Broncos first possession of the second half, Christian Kirksey, great interception. And I do not want to take away from Kirksey and the great athletic play that he made, Sean. But this is the only time we're going to mention a linebacker the whole show unless you've got something to say about him, because they were invisible for the most part in this game, especially in the run game. I'm like, I'm like, why is the secondary having to make every tackle? The linebackers don't make tackles in the run game and you can run on the Texans. And I thought 
frankly, the Texans got lucky because the Broncos could have run the ball all day, just like the Colts did last week. And you get away with it because the Texans linebackers don't, you know, they, they, they just don't tackle the football. They, they don't anticipate well. They're, they're not there. Yeah. And I, I want to go back and just watch for that in particularly because, um, you know, having done that even last week, there were just instances where I thought the linebackers just got caught standing flat footed and the linemen were able to reach them on the second level, block them up um, and completely negate them from making a play. And which is why you saw and look, it was it was a lot of the bigger plays um, in the intermediate routes deeper down the field, which caused, you know, Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petrie having to come up and make some stops there last week. I mean, leading the team and tackles those two, I think second and third, actually. Um, but today I, you know, I did notice some of the same things, you know, in live action. Look at, and I think it could be a schematic thing that Lovey's going to have to figure out how to overcome as well. Um, being able to put those guys in better position, maybe it's a little bit of motion. Maybe it's a little bit of offensive alignment that is causing them to maybe be stuck a little bit too inside the box and not being able to go a little bit free range sideline to sideline, get a little bit deeper in their zone coverages, um, to negate some of those intermediate to deeper passes down the field. I just thought it was unfortunate today because, you know, Christian Kirks, you mentioned there, made an excellent play. In co- I thought it was one great coverage and a fantastic job to continue to fight for that ball and just create contact for that ball to come loose. He had really good coverage, even to that last touchdown, you know, that he gave up. Um, good coverage, just not an ideal situation. Lovey Smith and that defensive staff have got to figure out a better way to put those guys in position to make plays because it can be a really deep and impressive linebacker core. We just unfortunately haven't been able to see um, the fruits of their label the first couple of weeks of the season because I think of a schematic issue. Yeah, none of these guys have a reputation of being anything great. Most of them landed on the Texans because they weren't having a ton of success where they were. Um, By the way, good drive by the Texans. Thanks to Pierce on the next drive, but the Texans can't convert inside the 10. The key play, Brandon Cooks drops a touchdown pass. Good throw by Davis Mills. I'll get on Mills later, but Cooks, he's got to catch that ball. He's got to catch that ball. But I will say this, Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton worked particularly on the high-low ball on Friday at practice, which was, you know, the first 30 minutes is uh, usually viewable to the media. And that's something that I even took video of and put out on Twitter um, this week, and I thought was interesting. He was working with Tyler Johnson and Farrell Brown in particular on the high-low ball. Um, I don't know if it was more for the quarterbacks, more for Farrow and Tyler, um, the combination of the two. I don't know. I just noticed that that was an issue that Davis was having and getting that ball up in similar situations. And so I found that interesting today. Excellent route run by Brandon Cooks to create separation. And yes, if if Davis throws that same ball nine more times, Brandon Cooks probably makes that play. But I think you have to get that ball up. It's very difficult to run that in-out route that quick as Cooks did and get a ball almost at your knees and make that play. It's difficult. Um, here's another point, too. Davis Mills was, I think, seventh worst last season at making plays going to his left. Okay, well, where did that play go that went to his left? That is not a strong suit of his. And if you're going to go to your left, what better receiver to look at than Brandon Cooks? Unfortunately, he just didn't make the play. But I think that's something else, too, that Pep Hamilton may have to re-explore with Mills in particular. Davis Mills not being good going to his left in the preseason. Yeah, he was a little bit down with that throw. 
I don't care. That's one that Brandon Cooks has got to make. You, you can't right. make you can't make these perfect throws in the NFL. And look, Davis Mills. I'm not going to worry about him getting the ball getting the ball a little bit low. The problem with Davis Mills has been everything's high. He misses high all the time. Now the Broncos next drive, Sean. They they get a shot at a 54 yard field goal, get called for a delay of game, and end up punting. Ugly stuff by the Broncos all game long. Texans with the three and out. Mills and Nico not on the same page on a third down throw, which has been an issue with Mills and his receivers. They've got to get on the same. All that work in the offseason about getting on the same page, and it just hasn't happened so far in the first two games. Broncos respond with a touchdown drive. Big play. Russell Wilson completes a third and 15. Sean, he had all day to throw. The Texans rushed three guys. I know Lovey's not big on blitzes, but this lack of aggression is really starting to bother me, especially when you've got a young secondary but three guys on a third and 15 for Russell Wilson. And, and the Broncos are struggling right there. You know, if, you're, if you've got a team down, you kind of you want to kick them while they're down a little bit. You want to you apply the pressure. And I know Russell, Russell's a veteran, but those wide receivers that he got out there, it's not a bunch of pro bowler guys he's throwing the ball to at that point. Yeah, and I don't remember the instance. I think Judy was out of the game at that point in time. And so you took one of his weapons away from him already. And their tight end, who had already dropped, um, you know, a big play, um, you know, who had caught like four or five passes last week or just heck Monday night against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. You know, he'd been one of the favorite target Sutton, you know, only five or six, seven targets. In fact, last Monday night was looked at heavily today. And I thought that was a given anyway, even if the Texans had had a veteran secondary, you were going to look to get Cortland Sutton more involved in the passing game for Russell Wilson. I, you know, we talked to Lovey specifically about certain situations and what coverages he's going to be in. And he said, look, man, you know, look, everybody thinks that we play Tampa two the whole time. We don't, you know, there are different variations. There's different looks that we have. And sometimes you just got a pulse um, and you think you should be in a certain coverage based on what you've seen from receivers or quarterbacks. And look, that might've been just yet another one of those um, little misses, you know, on a defensive call by Lovey in that instance, you know, Russell had not really gotten into any kind of rhythm at all today. You know, there were little flashes here and there, but I think you roll the dice and you say, look, you know, he's picking on Stingley a little bit. He's had some success on some softer coverage. Let's drop some guys and see if we can limit his options. Unfortunately, it didn't work. So next offensive possession for the Texans, Mills with a good throw to Nico for a big chunk, but then he gets a little panicky with some pressure on a couple straight plays leading to a punt. And this has been an issue, Sean, with them. So far this season, and, you know, I, I, I'm starting to fall out on Davis Mills because it seems like if, if you're a quarterback, either you're good under pressure or you're not. Deshaun was good under pressure. Davis Mills isn't. And and I just, you know, at some point, I, I just think these guys have it or they don't. That's fair, uh, 100%. And, you know, I will just say this kind of to that contrary Mills has not a lot of reps under his belt right now. He's not an experienced quarterback, period. Um, I think for him to be doing what he's doing right now is is kind of impressive, you know, just a little bit. And I'm not going to give him much more credit than that, but in pressure situations, um, it, it's bad. It, it, it's bad um, just from the even the final possession, and I know we'll probably get to that, but I just thought just – terrible decision-making by Mills, you know, and it's something that uh, really you shouldn't have to be a veteran in this league to understand some of the things um, to not do. I, I, I just want to, 
give him a little bit more time. I told you this last week. We talked in particular about pressure situations, overtime, less than two minutes, the Texans needing to make a play, and Mills didn't really have a lot of those opportunities last year. Well, back-to-back weeks now, look, he's had opportunities to, you know, come up with a big throw, come up with a big play, and look for somebody else not named Brandon Cooks who you're trying to force the ball into to make some miraculous catch towards the end of the game. That's something that I think you really need to pay heavy attention to. But after only two weeks, just so happens the first two weeks of this season, I want to give him a little bit more time before I make a final judgment call because, you know, youth and inexperience does have a big play in it. He's had three fourth quarters in the last two weeks, and he's looked terrible in all three fourth quarters that he's had. So Broncos with the drive for a field goal, they go up seven. So Mills couple of great completions to Nico and Cooks. Again, you're like, okay, maybe he's going to figure it out here. Then it unravels. Titus Howard can't take care of the edge rusher. Mills gets sacked. I think everybody will want to point the finger at Titus, but his guy was lined up really wide. And one thing I noticed, Sean, and I don't know if people are going to be talking about this, Farrell Brown had a chance to chip him. He's, he's outside with him, and his guy's lined up way wide. Just hold him for a millisecond. I mean, as a tight end, I think that's kind of your job right there is to hold him for a millisecond, but he just runs by him. And that might just kind of be one of those miscommunications, you know, that you have. You've got a route in your mind and you think like, man, I, I got to run this route. And I got to make this catch, turn it up field. And you're thinking about everything but that little small detail. And I think that's a lot of the things the Texans talked about in particular is just the little details last week that when you miss them, they show up big. Um, you know, throughout the course of a, a game. And it's something that you can easily miss in a stat sheet. And it's easy to blame Titus on that play in particular. That's just, you know, I think comes with reps, unfortunately. And while they're frustrating, it, it you become more frustrated as a fan, I think, when you have opportunities in games like this that are so close, so ugly, so mucked up, that those are magnified. And those are little things that the Texans are going to have to eventually, you know, clean up. But it's just going to take reps with this team. So fourth down, Mills throws a pass. He didn't even give Nico a chance at it. And, and it was way over his head. And, and that's what concerns me also about Davis Mills, because there's too many times where there's a guy on the outside and he's maybe got man coverage on that outside. He's throwing the out routes. He's throwing balls deep early in the game. He throws a deep pass. Didn't give his receiver a shot at all. Throws it way over his head. He had one-on-one coverage there. His receiver definitely bigger than the guy that was the, the defensive back. And I, I, I want to say that was Nico. Like I said, I'm, I don't think it was Brandon Cooks. I don't think it was a short guy on that deep shot. And this is a recurring issue with Davis Mills. It's not just the inaccuracy, but it's the ability to give your receiver a chance to make a play on the football. And that's one thing that Deshaun was great at. And we got spoiled by that from him. Sure. But, you know, you just said the key right there, you know, giving your receiver a chance to make a play. What about giving Mills the chance to make a play? You know, I, I'd be interested in, you know, knowing in instances like that. And even earlier in the game, when Mills looked for Burkhead on the left side for a touchdown pass on a third down situation, why are you looking to go deep with Rex Burkhead in that instance? Like they had the success that they had today with some of the bigger plays came on what crossing routes, over routes, 
stuff in the middle of the field. And the instance that we're talking about right here, it was one, it was one twenty-two left um, in the game, and he tries to force a ball to Collins, you know, on the right side. Well, I'd be interested to know if Mills actually finished his progression, if he was targeting Collins the whole time there, because I would certainly like a higher percentage throw or just route to be run in that instance. If you know you're going to go to Collins, a guy that can go up and get the ball and take it away from somebody and make a play, that's still a tough ask in that situation on the sideline right there. Because you had three full, you had three timeouts left in that instance. And you could have very easily looked at something in the middle of the field, a higher percentage play, even for Mills, um, you know, who has really struggled to make that exact throw. So I'd be interested to know if he finished his progressions in a lot of those instances and what exactly the play calls were. The other thing that I remember from the last couple of possessions, there was a play, I, I want to say it was third down. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was on the, the second uh, uh, possession before you know, the very, went the very, I don't know if there's much to talk about at the very end of the game. It was just, you know, I didn't feel like they really had a shot there, but that, that possession it was a third down and it was a blitz and Davis has got to know you're playing four down territory here. I mean, you're getting the, you're getting the ball. If you see that blitz coming, I could see the blitz coming, Sean. I knew they were bringing guys. So you got to know somebody, you, you got to be prepared to get it out quickly. And, and, and you have to know who your short guy is. And, and he seemed to be oblivious to all of that. And he was trying to make the big play when, it's, when it wasn't there. And again, it's, it's these little things that start to add up with him that I just, that scare me half to death about him as a quarterback going forward. Are you talking about that possession when he found Collins for 29 yards and then he ended up taking the sack? I think it was that. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah, to say that, okay. that, that so, was the, I want to say that was the, was that the second to last possession? Yeah, it was their eighth offensive possession. Um, they had 10 total, you know, that last dreadful one uh, to end the game. But right after that big play, you know, you point on it. The one thing he couldn't do in that instance is take a sack. You completely removed yourself from field goal range at that point in time in which, yeah, you wanted a touchdown, but a field goal still would have kept you in it. You have a full arsenal of timeouts. You trust Lovey's game management enough to give yourself another opportunity with a defensive stop, which they got anyway. And it was just dreadful. I won't say play calling at all, but I just think dreadful quarterback play in those instances. And that's where I say, look, I don't, I just don't think you have to be this, you know, three, four, five-year veteran to understand situations like that. This is something he's been doing all his life. You know you can't take a sack there. And we talk so much about him being able to get the ball out quickly. Well, he was like the second fastest quarterback last week at getting the ball out. I don't know what he was today, but he had a lot of time to get rid of the ball. And you talk about pressure situations. This is where you get paid. This is where you win games. This is when you can separate yourself from being a nobody to a somebody, and really for two weeks in a row, Davis Mills has been unable to do that, and he's crumbled under pressure. That's it. He's crumbled under pressure. I'm not going to kill him for it. I'm just pointing to the facts here, and you got to be able to show some type of growth, but he took a big step backwards today because he made some terrible mistakes late in this game, taking that sack, Removing your team from field goal range was one of them. The other one was not making simple decisions when you're pressured and it's late in the game. 
You can't check it down for a two-yard loss and make that throw to Brevin Jordan. You have to throw the ball away in that instance. Well, he, he's a Stanford guy. You just you. I mean, that's the one thing I thought come with this. What came with the Stanford guy is I expect, expect pretty smart play from somebody like him. Yeah. And you know, that's what we heard about this guy is you know he's pretty sharp and you know sharpness and accuracy and neither one of those has been all that great. Yeah, his completion percent is 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 really good, but you know, at the same point, it, it's like what I'm seeing with my eyes is he's missing a lot of easy throws where he's not even close. It's like he doesn't even give his receiver a chance. And yeah, we're going to be hard on this guy because look, you know, you got two, your two games of the season. Every single game is an exam for him on his future because the Texans have two first round picks in this year's draft. And when you get two first round picks in, in a draft where you're likely to be bad and you know, maybe the Browns are going to be a little bit bad because they lost to the Jets today and they might struggle without Deshaun. So you could have two picks that you could trade up potentially to get a quarterback or whatever. But I mean, that's the position that everybody needs to fill and get right. And and this is a these are big games. This is some big moments for him, huge moments for him. Hundred percent. Huge moments. And you know, to be quite honest with you. I think he'll have other opportunities. I think he'll have a lot of other opportunities, and it's what he does with them. Um, so far, these first two weeks has gone a lot like I thought it would for this team. I thought they would be in games with opportunities to win. I really thought the improvement just from an organizational standpoint to what they do on the field, it just had a different vibe. I'm telling you, man, they've they do have some talent on this team and I get it. You know, it's easy to say like, Hey man, these are a lot of just journeymen mixed in with a lot of young guys. And you know, it's, it's still a roll of the dice and this is still going to be a bad team at the end of the year record wise. Well, maybe so, maybe so, but they have a lot of guys on this team right now that are going to be a part of the future going forward. You can see it. They do have some journeymen, um, you know, NFL veterans like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, you know, that are maybe playing out the fiddle here. But you know what? They got some juice in the tank. Malik Collins in particular, um, those guys have some juice left in the tank. They are going to be a part of the growth for this team this year. So I just hold on to that a little bit because it's that mentorship, those veterans that are going to help everybody see like the incremental growth of this team on the field. And sometimes you're going to, you know, it's hard to see the growth when your quarterback just doesn't have the ability to make those plays in crunch time. And that may very well be the case all season long with Davis Mills, but I'm going to give the guy more than two opportunities to do that before I, you know, nail a coffin shut on him. Yeah, I'm out on him. Let's go. Let's move on. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But like, yeah, it's, I am super concerned. And I would say it's going to be really tough for him to, to, to show me at this point that he's got the medal, you know, but he's, he's going to get chances because Lovey's going to put him in those positions. And you said it, I mean, let's just talk about the young guys for just two seconds. And by the way, I just want to throw this out there real quickly. Tackling great last week, terrible this week. You got to be better at that, especially when you're not good at the run anyway, and then you're missing tackles on, on the running game. It's bad. I get it. It's mile high. You're a little bit more tired. Okay. But Stingley, he made some big plays. Yeah. He had the pass interference. He was beat one other time pretty deep, but Stingley definitely saw a lot from him. Like I said, I saw some things from Kenyon Green. Granted, or uh, Damian Pierce was was really good. You gotta talk a little bit about Roy Lopez because he had the batted ball at the goal line, and he's you know secretly doing a pretty decent job 
I, I just feel like they, they haven't drafted much as far as linebackers. Garrett Wallow and Christian Harris were two guys that I was looking forward to see. Like, do they have juice at linebacker? And, and that's where I really feel the biggest deficit is on this team. But unfortunately, those two guys haven't played yet. And, and I want to see what they've got because the, the Texans really need somebody at linebacker that's going to make some plays. 100%. That, that literally could be like maybe the second deepest position on this team when Wallow and Harris come back and they're ready to contribute. Um, so I'd give that class like an incomplete through the first um, or that group, rather, an incomplete through the first couple of weeks. Um, so the jury's out there. I, I would include Kurt Heinisch. You know, in today's game, some things I saw from him, you know, I like the resilience. I like the the ability to separate, you know, get his hands up and affect a pass um, that way. Um, I thought the Texans really did a a much better job than I anticipated against Russell Wilson today, where I thought the, uh, the difference was made when when if you could say Russell Wilson ever got into a groove today, it's because it started with his feet. He was not the same Russell Wilson that we're used to seeing in the first half. You know, he tried to make a lot of throws, a lot of plays, you know, inside the pocket, didn't really show a willingness to go outside, make anything happen with his feet, extend plays that way. You saw it. I think it was on the first offensive possession in the third quarter. Maybe it was the second. I can't remember now. I have to go back and look. But he really made it a point to move his feet more, get out of the pocket, made some plays happen with his feet and kind of deke the Texans a little bit defensively there. And that's when they really started to get into a group because the defense had to um, really respect, again, what Wilson can do um, from, from that point of view. And so I, I think that was a little bit of a difference maker there defensively for the Texans. But, yes, the young guys, again, you could take away a lot of positives today. Um, but to be honest with you, a lot of the mistakes were made by some of those veterans that you expect more of, from Tunsil to Howard to Okoronkwo. Um, um, Jonathan Grenard with a massive missed tackle in the backfield, which would have pinned Russell Wilson back probably for like a six, seven, eight yard loss at one point, ended up going for a big play, which I think was negated anyway by penalty. But you talk about momentum shifts. Those are all big things. Yeah. Grenard was somebody I was a little bit wondering where he was the whole game. He finally showed up late with the sack and, um, there was another play that he made in there, but he just, he just didn't put an imprint on this one. And. He hasn't put quite the imprint that I was hoping from him. I thought he was going to have a little bit of a breakout year. But if you look at Damian Pierce's numbers, it's, it's not extraordinary, but 15 carries, 69 yards, it's 4.6 yards a carry. That's pretty good from an yeah. NFL running back. And, you know, one thing I will say that they corrected from one week to the next was the order was sent down. Pierce is going to play. He is going to run the football. And that's what happened. And I just want to see a couple more corrections. Last points for you. One in particular on Pierce. I think if he's able to stay healthy by season's end, we're talking about what an incredible number he's put up in terms of yards after contact. That guy runs pissed off. He runs angry. He's got such a quick, explosive burst. The guy's going to be phenomenal by season's end. And it's a progression with him. You know, I... I Maybe they've treated him a little bit with some kid gloves, you know, so to speak, in terms of his usage. We certainly saw the increase today from week one. However, I think you're going to continue to see that progress as long as he shows the ability to get better in terms of being a, a guy that can pick up a blitz, being a better pass blocker, and being trusted out of the backfield as a pass catcher, which he looked pretty solid on today. Running the rock ain't a thing with him. I mean, he just runs hateful. 
Um, so I think it's going to be very fun to watch him the rest of the season and just continue to look for Davis Mills and his efficiency, which uh, he talked about quite a bit himself. I want to be able to see this guy take big steps going forward growth-wise in crunch time, and I just don't think we're going to see that. I think it's going to be incremental if we see any growth at all. Texans fall to 0-1-1. and Tough one. They're keeping them close, so that's good. It should be fun for the year if they can continue to do that. Yeah. I really want to thank you, Sean. Remind everybody out there that you got to check out our midweek show. We're going to come at you midweek as well with the Texans update, everything else that's going on in Houston sports, so keep an eye out on that. Thanks again, Sean, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Robert. Yes, sir. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.